ranked by U.S. News & World Report among the top 10 rehabilitation hospitals in the nation, Shepherd Center specializes in medical treatment, research, and rehabilitation for people with spinal cord injury and brain injury. As a service to our community, we present Shepherd Center Radio with host Melanie Cole. About 700,000 strokes occur in the United States each year. To serve the health care needs of these patients, Shepherd Center provides a full continuum of services, from inpatient rehabilitation to outpatient care for stroke rehabilitation. My guest today is Dr. Andrew Dennison. He's board-certified physical medicine and rehabilitation physician with an additional subspecialty board certification in brain injury medicine at Shepherd Center. Welcome to the show, Dr. Dennison. Let's just start with a little working definition. What is stroke? Well, stroke fits into a couple of different types of patterns. There are ischemic strokes, which are when there's a lack of blood flow to a part of the brain, and then there are hemorrhagic strokes, where there's bleeding into certain parts of the brain. Um, the ischemic strokes, or the lack of blood flow strokes, are uh, a lot more common than the bleeding strokes. And what are the risk factors for stroke? Are some controllable and some not? Well, particularly for the ischemic strokes with a lack of blood flow, uh, high blood pressure, smoking, diabetes, obesity, a sedentary lifestyle, and also um, high cholesterol levels are things that you can actually modify and make better. And then there are some other um, non-modifiable risk factors like age and sex and ethnicity. On the other hand, for hemorrhagic strokes with the bleeding, um, the modifiable risk factors are high blood pressure, smoking, and alcohol abuse. If somebody is thinking that they are having a stroke, please, Dr. Dennison, go over the stroke symptoms that are so important for people to note and for their loved ones to recognize. Well, there's a great um, acronym that they use, in particular, I think the American Heart Association does, called the FAST, which um, F stands for facial droop, A stands for arm weakness, S stands for speech difficulties, and then T stands for time. And the T is on there because time is very critical after stroke because there's certain therapies that you could receive at the hospital that if you wait too long, then you can no longer receive them, such as clot busters or certain catheter-guided um, uh, treatments for uh, strokes. And with stroke, they say time is brain. So it's so important to recognize these symptoms. But some of the symptoms might be a little ambiguous, slurred speech. You could think maybe somebody's been doing something. So are there some other ones that can go along with the FAST acronym that would sort of cement the idea that this is what's happening? Um, I think it's always the human habit to try to downplay when these things are occurring. But if there's weakness, and particularly that's developing in the face or the arm, that would make me particularly worried. Also, a... Uh, a significant headache associated with any of those features um, could be a sign of a hemorrhagic stroke and would definitely need to be uh, going to the emergency room right away. If somebody thinks their loved one is having a stroke, do they drive them to the hospital or is it very important to call EMS, call 911 right away? No, they should um, call 911 and notify an ambulance. That way they can set up the appropriate measures for uh, notifying hospitals and get them to the right kind of stroke center and they know what hospitals have uh, the right kind of procedures to be able to handle this best. And just to reiterate, it is very important to call 911 if you do think someone is having a stroke. Dr. Dennison, what happens when they get to the hospital if EMS has had a chance to get started on the situation? Well, they'll be immediately evaluated in the emergency room, and often a head CT scan will be done to try to evaluate 
if there is any bleeding. Um, if there's bleeding, then of course you don't want to give any of the clot busters. Uh, but if there's not bleeding and the syndrome is consistent with a stroke, the practitioners at the emergency room will be able to initiate the more advanced uh, treatments that could help improve outcomes in the long run. And what are some of those treatments? There is a uh, medication called TPA, which is a, a clot buster that they give intravenously, and that's one thing they can do. Um, if they have certain sizes of clots at some major stroke centers, like Grady in Atlanta, for example, they can give catheter-guided treatments and try to pull some of the thrombus out. Um, and I've seen some remarkable recoveries with that when done appropriately. Um, on the other hand, if somebody had a hemorrhagic stroke and it was starting to build up a certain degree of pressure, then the neurosurgeon would be able to be notified and possibly be able to um, decompress the problems with swelling and midline shift where the brain is being pushed over to avoid the secondary complications um, that you would have on top of the bleed. And it certainly depends on the severity of your stroke, but with stroke, the amount of debilitation that could possibly happen based on treatment and the severity, what, what is life like for somebody right after a stroke? Um, well, directly after the stroke, usually the impairments are rather dramatic um, in, compared to where they would be, say, several weeks uh, down the road. Um, so, of course, every stroke is different. Some people will only have what they call a um, TIA, or just a transient ischemic attack where they will be able to recover uh, within 24 hours to totally uh, regular normal function, whereas others will have some very minor impairments. Um, but most of the people that we would be admitting to Shepherd would have some very obvious and significant impairments um, that would be um, found initially and then getting better over the next few days uh, once the swelling has started to turn around. Um, and then that's when they come to our services and rehabilitation. And what's that like for the patient? Well, they would normally be transferred from a, an outside hospital to our hospital. So there's a very busy time of just when they first come to our hospital. Um, they often will meet the therapy teams and the nurses and the physician uh, the same day um, to get an initial evaluation. And then the work really gets started um, after they've spent the night at Shepherd Center for, uh, for one night. And I think people are usually surprised about how busy they are. And I know from what a lot of folks have told me after having stayed at Shepherd, they note you know, just how tired they were because they're kept so busy and there's so many therapies that are ongoing. What do you tell the families, Dr. Dennison, about life after stroke and even after they've gotten out of Shepherd Center, things that they need to be mindful of so that maybe they're not at risk for another stroke? Well, there's some very basic uh, recommendations that um, most any hospital should uh, abide by for decreasing secondary stroke risk. For an ischemic stroke, that would particularly be no smoking and managing blood pressure appropriately, making sure any diabetes is managed appropriately. And then there's two medications, um, the antiplatelets um, and then the uh, statin medications that are normally used for cholesterol but have also been shown to decrease uh, stroke risk um, after having had one. So Pretty much anybody that has a blood blockage stroke is on an antiplatelet medication and a statin, uh, unless they have a certain type of clot uh, stroke disorder where they might be put on a full dose of uh, anticoagulation instead of the antiplatelet. And what is rehab like in terms of maybe swallowing, balance, vision, any of these things that might have been affected by the stroke? 
Well, that's where a comprehensive evaluation by the rehab team is important because given all the sound and fury that happens in the initial hospitalization, I, I think some of the more subtle types of things can be missed. Um, every stroke is a little bit different. There's some very common syndromes, uh, but then there's some more uncommon things that can show up as well. Um, the most common things we see are weakness on one side, trouble with swallowing, trouble with bowel and bladder incontinence, um, sometimes visual and perceptual problems. And then one of the main things that really causes some issues in the long run is that because the area of the brain that processes a certain type of function isn't working well, you, the patient sometimes doesn't really appreciate that there is a problem in the first place. So this lack of awareness can really de- lead to some significant safety concerns. Um, and requires us to be really vigilant about maintaining safety and um, looking at how well people are supervised and families are trained at time for discharge. And is there sometimes or often outpatient rehabilitation that continues after the patient goes home? Pretty much in any case that would come to Shepherd, we would be having continued outpatient therapies after they've left the inpatient environment. That would usually include... uh, Uh, physical therapy, occupational therapy, and speech therapy based on the the individual needs of the patient. So wrap it up for us, Dr. Dennison, with some of your best advice for stroke symptoms and the importance of recognizing these symptoms, possible prevention, and why they should come to Shepherd Center for their care. Well, I think, again, looking at that FAST acronym, so the facial droop, arm weakness, speech difficulties, and time, and remembering that even if you are controlling all of your risk factors perfectly and you lead an exemplarily healthy lifestyle, you still are at risk for stroke. So if you see those signs, you need to come in and get evaluated, and that way you'll make sure that you have the best possible treatment. Um, The thing that I often say to families and patients when they arrive to us is that things are going to get a lot better. So they're still in the time period where you expect recovery to occur, and often people are very anxious that things are not going to change. But there's reason to be hopeful and, um, and hope, uh, have a lot of hope for uh, further improvement. Tell us about your team at Shepherd. Well, we really have an amazing team at Shepherd. The, the therapists are incredibly compassionate, and I'm very happy with our administrative team that makes sure that we have all of our programs running smoothly. We also have the most um, well-funded and participatory uh, recreation therapy team I've ever seen at a rehab hospital, and that really helps people to get out in the community and do outings so that they're really looking at getting back to their home environment. I think one of the things that we can be most proud of at Shepherd is the rate of home discharges we have rather than to uh, facilities, and I think that speaks a lot to the overall team approach that we take. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's really great information. You're listening to Shepherd Center Radio, and for more information, you can go to shepherd.org. That's shepherd.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.